is the Homebrew Game Club, a podcast about modern, brand new aftermarket video games for retro consoles. This is one of our shorter episodes. Uh, it is not one of our main episodes. We are going to be talking about a game called Diamond Thieves. Uh, we were sent this game by Scrobbins, uh, Sean Robinson from Video Game Sage. Video Game Sage is releasing this game in a collaboration with Mega Cat Studios. You guys are familiar with Mega Cat. We've played some Mega Cat games before. Uh, oh, yeah. They are kind of in a gray area between a, a homebrewer and a uh, larger kind of uh, more independent game production house. They have uh, they've released 8-bit games for NES. They've released Game Boy games, Mega Drive games, Super Nintendo games. They've also done some uh, indie games for that are available on Steam and stuff like that. So they've they've gone kind of all over the place. This game is being released as part of a partnership between Video Game Sage and Mega Cat. Uh, we've talked about Video Game Sage before on this podcast. Are, are you guys familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Video Game Sage is is like the uh, current iteration of the old Nintendo Age site. Nintendo Age got uh, bought out and basically destroyed. That's a long story for another podcast, but. Yeah, uh, Video Game Sage is the uh, the website that arose from the ashes of the old Nintendo age, and they have done uh, a few uh, games in their store through uh, through a third party. But this is the first time that Video Game Sage has ever put their name on a game as a as part of the uh, publisher. So it's a pretty cool event. So Scrobbins uh, reached out to us and asked us if we would like to play the game and talk about it on the podcast. Uh, so this game, Diamond Thieves just came out this week as we are recording i think it came out what did i say yesterday yeah yesterday yeah it was a uh, june 7th it came out yesterday as we're recording and uh so we we got a review copy of this a digital copy and uh we uh played through it and uh we are here today to talk about this game so uh yeah this uh diamond thieves developed by a group out of brazil called manganga team uh several guys on twitter I, I am not familiar with their work, but uh, there, there is a Amawex, A-M-A-W-E-K-S, Amawex. Yeah, uh, he did some of the backgrounds, uh, which I think are, are some of the best part of the game. He, I, I have played another game of his. It was uh, Dev Will Two Prologue. So that is a a like an action platform or like an exploration platformer for for Mega Drive. But yeah, they, uh, they're a team of guys out of Brazil that makes Mega Drive homebrew. Video Game Sage is hoping to do more of these as a way to get some of these games published uh, for people who may not have an interest in getting you know their game published or may not have the ability to. In this case, it was a way for these developers to have distribution for this game beyond their home country of Brazil. So, And uh, one of my biggest takeaways from uh, this game is that I, I do not know how to spell thieves. I don't know how many times that I wrote out the word thieves <laughs> and had to stop myself and go back and correct it. I, it is, it, does it is, it have an F? Does it have a V? It is actually spelled for the record T H I E V E S. And uh, man, oh, man, I was just saying T H E E F F S. Thieves. Yeah, right. Thieves, right? Thiefes. Thiefes. Diamond, uh, yeah, diamond uh, absconders. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right, so let's let's talk about the game here. Let's before so we, um, before what? we talk about the game, I have a question for you, Nick. I'm oh. going to sidetrack and just derail this whole let's thing. Let's go. No, no, no. I'm listening to something that you just said in the open. You were talking about Nintendo Age getting bought out, and now it's Video Game Sage. Now, 
There's an Atari age, correct? Yes. There was a Nintendo age. Correct. Do you think somebody's original intent was for it to be video games age? Um, yeah, you know, that is that is really interesting, and I'm not sure anyone's ever thought about it before, but I'll, uh, yeah, that could be. Anyways, I just completely <laughs> maybe, derailed the whole conversation. Maybe they're actually happier now that it's a video game Zages. Zages. No, right. you know, they stopped. No, no, no. The It is no longer Sages. I guess we talked about this in the last podcast. I don't know. We're, we're we talked about it in every podcast. It's actually a, a, a low-key trope. Well, the uh, yeah, they got their old domain back. So it's it's just video game Sage again. <laughs> but now none of the old links work. So if you link to them at any point in the last like six months where it was video game <laughs> Sages, all those links are broken now. Oh, no. So none of them work. Yeah. I want to make this clear. This is the entire problem with technology in the modern age. Yeah. Like it's not servers and clients and apps and whatever. It's the fact that if you change one letter, everything falls name, apart. Everything falls apart. The entire yeah. world falls apart. Yeah, the entire the entire internet is just a it's a it's a nice looking little uh, wallpaper over like a, an absolute chaos of right? Uh, garbage. Right. Yeah. Anyways, sorry to sorry to derail the conversation. Do not Let's apologize. About... That is exactly yeah. the derailment we needed. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So before we get started, so this is, I mean, this is kind of like a, we're asked to sort of review the game, right? Because we're talking about a game today that nobody's played who is listening to this podcast, unless you made the game or unless you made it. Well, hang on. It was released as, at the time of recording. It was released. Oh, that's right. Maybe you put, well, no, I mean like I, so people are ordering it's cartridge only. So <sighs> Ooh. Cartridge or bot- yes. So yeah, it's, it's, you can get it a CIB or cartridge only from the mega cat website. You cannot get it digitally. And there are, as far as I know, no plans to release it digitally. I feel so, so special. I know. Yeah, we're pretty special. Very we're spoiled, something. So before we get started, I'm going to do my little uh, disclaimer here. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone on this podcast that we believe in honest opinions, but we also understand that many of these games that we talk about are not made by professionals. They are labors of love. Also, as a note to our listeners, we are not game developers ourselves. We are just fans. So please keep that in mind as we offer up any criticisms of these games. Guys, Diamond Thieves. It, you know, I was going to say the uh, Portuguese name, but I, I tried it today and I absolutely butchered it. I, I'm Where's, much better where, at... Where can I find the Portuguese name? Because yeah, I want to butcher it so that I can, as a European, be blamed entirely for it. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, you guys can get away with that. Uh, hold we're, on, let me, let me try to find yeah, it. Yeah, just like put it in the chat or something. Yeah, um... There. You can try to read that. No. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're European. These are your, uh, you know, your it's, fellow uh, Europeans, your Portuguese. Uh, the, the, so Portuguese has this wonderful kind of list where it's like the last word be uh, diamantes. Diamantes? Yeah, it has like a bit of a lisp or a bit See, of a. This sh- was, yeah, I tried to have Google Translate have me read this, and I was just, yeah, I was just like, no, no. Yeah, like Le Dreich de Diamantes or something like this. Oh, man. I mean, I, I'm going to get crucified in, in the Discord oh, for even yeah. attempting that, but you know what? I, I'm willing to die on this, on this hill. This is my general attempt at Portuguese. Okay. Um, come at me. Okay. Well, that was fun. Uh, so let's talk about, can you guys describe this game? What kind of a game is this, Diamond Thieves? I think it's a tough one to describe. It's puzzly. It's platformy. Puzzle platformer? Hey! But then there's also a little bit of a, a kind of 
don't know, adventure part as well, like, especially with the boss fights. I mean, without revealing anything, like... Puzzle platformer, okay? Uh, I would describe it as, is a, uh, you're a little, you're a little green alien guy. Sure. Right. Uh, yeah, platformer, and, and it has, the art style, I would say, is a little bit, almost like a, almost kind of like childlike. It has kind of a toy look to it, to me. True. Uh, and so you, you, you're a little alien and you're running around on platforms and it has a, uh, the stages are large. So they're, they're sort sort of large They're Uh, it's not just a simple left, right kind of thing. You, you do, um, they, they have multi multiple levels. I agree and with this. The, there's, there's a lot of space in the levels. Yes. There's a lot of space. You're moving around a lot. And the goal in each stage is to find a set of keys to unlock a, doors in order uh, to get to the the final door is a uh, is a is the diamond. That is the goal of each stage is ultimately to get through all the the locked door. You find the keys, open the doors, eventually find the diamond, and then you go to the next stage. In the meantime, there are enemies all over the place. Very cute kind of enemies and very deadly. Uh, they're little blob guys who who run around on the floor. There's a, a yellow one that just goes back and forth. There's a red one that's kind of a variation on that that stops and uh turns around and it, it, it's a little bit more erratic so that one's a little bit tougher to deal with it follows you a little bit right it, it kind of stops and... in my in my experience yeah it stops right where you're gonna land every time you jump over it <laughs> <laughs> um there are little fly looking guys like flies I like bees i would call them little bees the little, little bees okay yeah they're cute like everything else uh but they are uh, real pains in the ass they shoot <laughs> oh, little yeah. they're the worst because they're well I, I, without revealing too much, their little bullets that they fire are slow moving, and then they kind of pause at the end of right. their little journey. Yep, and they, they wait. also shoot them right at you too. They'll yeah. go through walls. So, like, I'll just be walking around, you know, and there'll yeah. be one on a platform below me, and it, you will just shoot a bullet just that just goes like straight up my ass. Yes. Yeah. The uh, the exceptions to to everything that I said is there are a couple of stages that aren't uh, pure platformers. They are um, oh, or these are not my favorite the, levels, by the way. Yeah, well, so that's it's just a side scrolling scrolling uh, a platformer stage. But it's a forced scroll. But it is it is a forced scroll and there is a a wall of death. Yeah. Is I call them the wall of death stages. So it is it looks like lava. Yeah. Okay, but it's like it's a yeah, the the one side of the screen just becomes a wall of death and it is moving towards you and you have to get through the platforming section. You still have to pick up the keys. But it is more like a a rapid puzzle where you where you are jumping back and forth to pick up the keys, you know, as this wall of death is bearing down on you. And, uh, and yeah, those are, those are very exciting, exciting stages. And at the end of those, there's only two of those. And at the end of each of them, there is a boss fight. So there are, there are three boss fights in the game. Uh, they are, uh, kind of a stompy robot looking guy. And, um, oh yeah, the attacks, I didn't mention the offense. So you do have an attack, but it is a little laser beam you get one shot, and then it has to recharge. It has a cooldown. It has a cooldown. Yeah, what is it, like maybe five seconds or something like that? Yeah, it's, it, it's right. just that little bit longer than you'd like. And <laughs> Right. No, but that's good. I mean, I, I mean that in a positive yeah. way. Like, it's it's a challenge, which is good, but it's it's that kind of cooldown where you're like, oh, I just, I just needed that cooldown to be a little bit shorter. But that's that's usually a positive thing. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, well, and you have to use it strategically. Yes, like you can't exactly. just mow stuff down. This game is not Contra. 
You know, exactly. you're true. So yeah, it will get you out of a jam. It will clear out, you know, like maybe there's like a little fly guy in front of a moving platform. Excuse me, B guy. I'm going to correct you every time. Oh, B guy. Okay. Yes. Okay, I agree with B. the fly assessment, but that's just, uh, that's just me. Wow. Okay. So we, we've got some disagreement here I on the podcast. I see pollen. I see uh, uh, a social uh, environment with these little enemies. I'm just sorry. <laughs> okay. The flying uh, enemy. Let's t- <laughs> the, the small flying enemy. You know, maybe they're like you're trying to jump on a moving platform, and you got one of these little bee things, and it's it's shooting at you. And right, you know, sometimes you have to wait to jump on the platform until it gets right to you, and you have to kill the bee thing before you jump on the platform because it will. You know, if you don't, the stupid bee thing will shoot you while you're on the platform, and everything everything has a very kind of slow, deliberate pace to it. Agree. You know, it is it is not a it is a platformer. But it is not, I would never call this an action platformer because it is, it is a very deliberately paced game, you know, the, the only, I mean, and that's why I like the, uh, the wall of death stage because they are action. Right. That's kind of what I mean. It's like, there's just a little bit of pace that's added in and those right. moments. Yeah. I think it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I guess, I don't know why, but I guess I like that in games now. I like having a bit of a variation and to be fair, the rest of the levels repeat a very common theme which is not a bad theme but it's a theme that is pretty constant right so uh, how'd you guys play this game i played it emulation you played it on emulation mm-hmm. and connor you did too yeah so i played it um the entire time i played it on a genesis on a crt i i did not play it on emulation for the first time until today like right before we were recording the podcast because i was i wanted to check something in the game. And so I went back through and I played it for the first time, like on a windowed screen. So, uh, and the only thing I will say about that is on the CRT, the, the HUD, you know, your life and stuff like that, like on a CRT, it's, it's just barely visible. And I did play it on two different CRTs and I could, I could just barely see like it cut off the top of it a little bit. So, Mm. but okay. So that's how we played this. What? So yeah. What, what do you guys like about the game? Connor, you like the pacing, right? I like the pacing. I like the graphics a lot. I think your point, Nick, that you were raising about background graphics, like the parallax and the just richness of that graphics, I really like yeah. that. I think there's like a lot of effort that went into that. I like the music. I think that there's something of a balance between music that is interesting and really, you know, just like worth listening to, but doesn't distract you. I think there's a really hard balance to make when you're doing a game like a puzzle platformer about music that is moving you forward, encouraging you to play, but doesn't distract you from the gameplay. I think that's actually a very difficult thing to do, and I think it does really, really well in the game. And, you know, ultimately, like, the structure of the game is pretty logical. Like, I understand what I'm supposed to do without having to read anything. I understand the objectives. I understand the idea of, like, how I'm supposed to play the game. So when I started playing the game, I didn't read any manuals. I didn't, you know, ask for help on any video game sages <laughs> website i just went right in and started you didn't playing consult and it was the sages. quite yeah straightforward to understand how to do that and yeah i just i just played the game so it's a it's a pick up and play game it's a, a enjoyable graphically rich pick up and play game that has a soundtrack that's worth listening to i agree with all of that i i love this game i really do all i want to do is play it but it has kicked my ass so hard. <laughs> I, I, okay, well, I, I, <laughs> today alone, I played level one, two, 
probably 30 times. Like I played it 15 or 16 times this afternoon and then I just had to walk away and I came back and sat down right before we started doing this podcast and I finally beat one, two and made it into one, three after 10 or so attempts. And it was just, my blood pressure was just like, I, I would say, I think the, the hardest level is world one level two. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Let's, let's talk about the difficulty just for a minute because you guys, you, you both think this game is pretty challenging. No, no, I, I disagree that it's challenging. <clears throat> I just mean that out of the, all of the levels in the game, the hardest level is level one, two, like world one, level two. Okay. And, and the second hardest level is world one, level one. Really? You think so? I really think it's the, it, it starts you at like the first 30 seconds of world one, level one. I died 10 times. Before I really got to grips with the controls, before I understood. Now, after I got through that, because you face, if you if you think about it, in the first level, the moment you turn it on, you face one yellow blob enemy and one B enemy right after each other. And the B enemy is placed at a place where it's just really hard to avoid getting hit. Okay. And if that is your first encounter with the entire control scheme, that's a little rough. I would say it's a little intense. It's not wrong. It's not unfair. I mean, you can move away. It's not like a, an enemy that like is is unfair in its movements. But for you learning the control scheme, I would say it is a little bit tense of of, of just how to like pursue that objective through that. Um, as you're also learning the key mechanic and the cooldown mechanic and all the other things at the same time. But after that, if you finish level or sorry world one level two the rest of the game is very straightforward and very enjoyable and and much more on the kind of like pacing that i would expect Uh, i just feel it kind of drops you at the deep end real hard huh man Uh, yeah real hard Uh, i'm gonna have to keep playing uh, even after we're done recording because like i was seriously enjoying playing the game but the just that one two i don't know what it was i felt so stupid i must have played it 30 35 times before i finally beat it i i gotta agree with barrett on this i i literally spend more time on one two than any other level including the boss fights and that level is it feels like the largest level Mm -hmm. huh now it's not the largest level physically speaking and in terms of the you know mechanics and things like this but it's dropping you in the deep end of there are three keys sorry four keys to collect and they are quite widely spaced across that level yeah okay so it's i don't think it's a bad level at all it's just like after i finished world one level two it was there wasn't much of a challenge left. Okay, so it's interesting that you say that because you know now that I'm thinking of it, it the game I guess does have a pretty flat difficulty curve. Like once you get over that initial hump, it really doesn't get much harder. So you, you guys were talking about this. We we were doing this in the chat before we started recording, and you know you guys were both saying how much trouble you were having with one two, and that's funny because earlier today I played one two, and I just zipped right through it. Right. You know, because I, I wanted to get to the first boss fight. And I, I yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about it. Like, I, I played 1-1 one, one, and I played 1-2. And I think both of them together might have taken me 10 minutes. Sure. And I I think it is probably jumping into the game and it doesn't really tell you how to play it or anything like that. And I, I mean, if you are if you are expecting an action platformer, you're going to die a lot. Right. Because that's just not how the game works. Like, I, I, 
I, I died more on that first stage than any other, just because I was, I kept expecting the, the game to be something that it wasn't like, I expected it to be more of an action game and just having to deal with that, um, the shots, yeah, you know, and your, your whole recharge period where you, every time that you take a shot, you have to like wait five seconds, you know, and you can, if you're not used to that, you can get yourself in some real jams real fast. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. But, you know, the thing is, though, is that once you get used to it, the game is very methodical. Oh, totally agree. Yeah, it's it's very, very gradually paced. It's very methodical. Like, there is very, uh, there's a way to get through the levels. And once you figure out how to play the game, it's just like, that's that you're just going to do basically the same thing in every level. That's not an insult, you know, to the game. It's just like... I, I don't think it's, it's a bad thing. It's more just... I, I honestly think they could almost have flipped the level progression or maybe even just like world two, world three, world one. Well, I don't know. I, cause I mean, what I'm saying is I, I think a lot of the difficulty just comes from learning the game. Cause like I said, when I played it today, it didn't even, it did it. So, I mean, I, I played the couple of levels. It was a couple of weeks ago now. So I didn't even remember how much trouble I had with it until you said that. But you know, now that I'm thinking back, I'm like, you know, I did die a lot in the beginning. I, yeah. I think but, that's it. It's, but it's like, I, I would, I mean, it's hard to know, right? Like by the time you get to world two or world three, you're already in it. But I suspect that if I was starting on world two, I wouldn't have as much of a challenge. And a small example of that, just without any spoilers, there's a mechanic around a a box that you move around in the second and third worlds. Okay. Right. Right. right, Yes. You move a box and that helps you like you jump on the box to get to other higher levels. There's an affordance granted to the player where there's these small little purple plants, and you don't even notice it, but the purple plants prevent you from pushing the box so far. Right, yes. That you can't push it back, right? So you can you can push the box really far, and then it'll stop. But it won't get to the end of the platform because you'll be able to jump on top of the plant and push it in the other direction. And that's a nice affordance that's granted to the player. I don't feel there's any affordance given to the player in the first world. Okay. It's right in. The B enemy fires a you know little bolt at you, and it, it, it doesn't really warn you about what that's going to look like. Yeah, okay. The red enemy doesn't really warn you about how it's going to move. I see what you're saying. Right. But the, the box has some affordance around like, oh, well, if you know if you push the box this far, it's going to stop. Yeah. Um, and just little small things like that where I feel the difficulty is – almost flipped okay sure but it, again it's not a negative thing it's just like if you if you get into that first world right and you you get used to it you can definitely have that gradual progression through learning the mechanics and yeah i i, I definitely appreciate how they've projected that and how they've presented that in the game i yeah. agree with you on that but i also agree with nick i think a lot of my problems with you know one one and then one two and then like there were these things like in one one I wished I had rapid fire, you know? And then whenever you realize that you don't and you have a recharge and like, okay, then it becomes more methodical. Awesome. Uh, world one, two, I wished that the, when it recharged, there was some sort of audio cue. Okay. Right. You know, so I didn't have to keep looking back up at the recharge meter. That would have been kind of cool. That's a but great point. I really like that point. Once I figured out that that wasn't a thing, I realized I have to slow down more. And then I realized that when you kill the enemies, the enemies respawned. 
So I realized, okay, I can't yeah. slow down as much as I have okay. been slowing down. Mm. So that's where a lot of my replays and frustrations came from. The respawn also happens just after you end your uh, cooldown. Yes. So just okay. as soon <laughs> right. as you yeah. get a cooldown, the enemy respawns, and that's not something you're expecting. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that that can really cause some problems. Like if you're waiting on a platform. Yeah. You know, and you shoot like you shoot that bee. And you, so you're standing there waiting for the platform. You jump up on the platform. As soon as you jump on the platform, the thing respawns. And then it's shooting at you again. Yeah, right. Uh, so that's a, I, it's a good challenge. I like it. The, um, let's, talk about, um, the, let's talk about the graphics. So I love the graphics in this game. As I said, I, I feel they kind of look like toys. You know, there's something almost like, it, it looks like a Dr. Seuss book or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The backgrounds have a real surreal quality to them that i really like i i can say i so i said i i was playing this game on a crt so what i've been doing lately with these mega drive games we were playing xeno crisis and playing this one so what i've been doing is i i've been getting my mega drive out and setting up a little crt i have like a little 11 inch crt and I'm, i'm putting it on my coffee table downstairs which is right in front of the tv that my kids use to watch their shows on so i'm sitting in there and i'm playing these games on my genesis on this little tv I've got all three of my kids sitting next to me and they're all watching like, you know, magic school bus or something. And I can kind of gauge with the different games, like what they're interested in and what they're not. So like I'm playing Xeno crisis and they're all just like, no, I don't think so. That looks hard and kind of scary. I put on this game and I didn't say anything. And my two boys, uh, seven and three are they're you know, they're watching the TV show. And as I'm playing, like they're they're scooting closer and closer to the CRT. You know, and until like after like maybe 10 or 15 minutes, both of them are just completely enraptured with the game. Yep. Like they, they, they are so into it. Like when I'm jumping around and picking up keys, like they're yelling, oh yeah, get the red one, get the red, you know? And uh, yeah, there was just something about the, I think it was the graphics, something about the presentation yeah. that they were really drawn to. And I, the, you know, and, and my son wanted to play the game. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a really it's almost like candy colored or something like that. It's yeah, candy is the word. I, right. I would say that yeah, the, very bright colors. The let's say the animations I wouldn't say are very sophisticated, um, but the color palette is not something you could do on a Master System or a NES. Right. Yeah. It's a very rich, very yeah, candy colored kind of game, and you immediately see that, and you're like, oh yeah, this is an engaging. Like the the main character is a unique color from anything else in the game and i love that in games when you have a main character that is it just stands out on the screen is is like unique and has a, a unique color palette so yeah. i totally agree with that you know and i mentioned dev world 2 prologue from uh Amowex, which is uh, another game that they did the backgrounds here and that that's another game that it it's almost like it almost looks like an art game like it is it is so um so interesting to look at really wonderful art style the game, uh, the only thing I'll add to that is the, the game it actually reminds me of the most in terms of that graphical style is actually a PC game called Crystal Caves. Okay. Where you're a miner and you're like collecting crystals and there's a whole bunch of different enemies that you have to shoot with your gun and things like that. Um, and there's actually a mini cooldown in that as well. So it's not, you know, the same mechanic. It's much more platformer than um, puzzler. But at the same time, there's like, keys that you get and things like that so it reminds me of that game a lot and it's also that kind of richness of like you know discovering a palette of colors that's more than let's say 16 colors right more than the six you know or eight bit color that you would see in nes games it just kind of like pops a lot and 
has that richness. So yeah, I really like the color scheme. I was just going to say one last thing that I really like about the game is I like the passwords. So I like that there is a password to like every single, yeah. you know, because when you die, you don't, you only have one life, you know, when you die, you're dead. Right. But it's okay because you, they give you a password for every level. So the penalty for death becomes having to go back out to the title screen and type in the password, which I think is, it's just the right amount of annoying. You know, you know. I think it's so. a little more than the right amount of annoying because every time we die, you have to go through all the opening graphics. Okay. And Mega Cat, like all that, and then <laughs> right. then it gets you to the title screen, and like every time I die, I'm like, uh, 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 Mega, uh, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> oh okay. man, yeah. I think that got a side with Bard on this. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> after hearing that. Uh, mega cat so many times today if you were to sneak into my house right now take my phone and replace a text tone with that thing going mega cat and then text me in the middle of the night i'd wake up shaking (laughs) 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 if i was just dead asleep but i just heard mega cat i'd be like oh god (laughs) it does feel like they put a lot of effort into that in you know introduction title screen like they really <laughs> wanted to make sure you heard mega cat mega time which is their prerogative yeah but but you will die plenty of times and you'll hear it plenty of times you and you'll will... hear mega cat mm. many times there's no doubt in your mind in the beginning in the beginning I will die. I I died continuously. I will say I'm a okay. scrub. Like I don't. I'm not great at, at these kind of games. So I will hear Mega Cat enough times to remember that's who I'm purchasing the game from. Mega Cat. Does this guy? Does this game make you want to play Justice Duel again, guys? <laughs> it makes me recognize the what can I say the uh, capabilities of the sound samples of the Genesis. True. Yeah, you know, right, right. Yeah, like that's it's true. It, when you do it right, it's actually a very clear and you know <laughs> recognizable sound sample. Like fair play, true. Yeah, and I've thought about that when you're playing uh, Xeno Crisis too, because it's it's extremely clear. We'll talk yeah. about that on that episode. But yeah, yeah I have a Joust on my little mini arcade machine that I just bought. So do you? you know, yeah, it's got Joust and Gauntlet and Rampage. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, Wizard. Yeah, of but War. you know what Joust doesn't have is robotic presidents. And uh, and missiles and uh... that's true. All right, yeah, I do want to play Justice Duel again. <laughs> yes, it's gonna happen. Yeah, let's do it. Oh man, we got a live stream Justice Duel. I can't. Wait. I I did like it a lot more <laughs> after like the first time we played it. I was like, "What is this?" And then you're like, "No, no, no, just ruminate on it for a little while." And then we came back to it a couple months later, and I was like, "I kind of love this." Uh, game. Let's do Anyways. it. Can we please do a mini episode on Justice Duel? Yeah. We don't have to do a whole pot. Oh man. Yeah, let's do I, it. I want to talk about the game so bad. Okay, okay, okay. 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 Yeah, we're, okay. Well, we're this is a uh, Diamond Thieves. Let's <laughs> uh, oh, right. Okay, so yeah. So wh- what you guys thought the the passwords didn't quite work for you. No, no. No, the passwords are great. I, I'm just saying it's just like it's it's Nick, I, I just want you to recognize you're very good at video games. I like, don't I'm think not. I am. I think I, I think <laughs> I think you are. No, no, no. Okay, so that's that's an interesting thing to say. Like uh, the type of person who plays Mega Drive Genesis Homebrew, right, is probably pretty decent. At totally agree with that. Sam. Games yeah, like totally the agree. target market for this game is probably decent at games. It, I mean, you know, people who who cut their teeth on retro games and they still play retro games enough that they buy brand new ones for retro consoles. Agree. Are probably decent at video games. Sure. Okay. So this is maybe my only serious criticism of the game is that if you are 
that kind of audience and you're really good at the game, I think you're going to get through this game in less than a day. So that is that is my my that was exactly what I was about to get to, which is to say I did not have the trouble with this game that you guys did. I I jumped into it and I I think I blazed through it and I didn't say it like a day, but uh I, I think I spread it out over like two days. I think the whole game the first time I played it probably took me under two hours. Sure. And a huge part of that it, it, the first hour was just like really getting used to the 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 way the game handles right, the controls and you know, kind of works. yeah and and kind of your you know your the cool down and all that other stuff but once i i had it down you know and i got through the the first uh set of uh yeah. you know one 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 two one three i mean i just pretty much blazed through the rest of the game yeah and in fact i thought it ended really fast totally agree like the the game has three full kind of worlds you know so it has i guess nine stages uh seven puzzle stages and two wall of death i think i'm counting that right and then there's three boss fights and then you're done <laughs> you know you, you get the the ending screen and i i was just i the when it popped up when that last screen popped up i just remember the first i i was like that's it right like i was just i was really surprised oh my god it's already over. no i right. i feel that and it's like even though i know myself and bart had a harder time with it it, it would require you to buy a physical cartridge to play the game. Right. So I I don't actually own a, a Mega Drive console at the moment. I'm definitely considering buying one. But if I was to buy one just for this, then, you know, that would be a kind of a level up for me. Um, whereas you already own uh, a Mega Drive, Nick. Sure. So there's like, the, there's this, I feel it's in this spot where like people who already own a Mega Drive are probably going to blitz through it. And it's, it may be hard to justify the full cost of a cartridge for a game that you maybe could complete super quick um, versus, you know, on the flip side of it, like somebody who is not a very seasoned gamer and doesn't really know how to play these games very uh, efficiently, uh, like myself, perhaps would get the value out of it, but I don't actually own a Mega Drive to play. Yeah. Whereas I would, you know, I'd be happy to buy the ROM in that context. Yeah, in terms of value, you know, I can say somebody who like collects homebrew, right? Um, even though I did beat the game quickly, this is a game that I would consider owning. You know, I think it it is pretty enough that it's almost an art game. And you know, like I, I was saying, my kids were super interested in it. I, I mean, I would very likely play it again with my kids. I think for kids, it would be the perfect length. You know, for for my my son's never played Mega Drive before. I think that he would really like true. this game and and learning how to use it. And I think it's the right amount of difficulty for a kid like that. That's totally. And it true. might take him like a couple of weeks to get through it, but I I do think that he would really enjoy it. Now, I mean, I've got NES games that I can you know homebrew NES that I can beat real fast. You know, I've gotten Lizard down to the point where I can beat it in thirty minutes. <laughs> you know, right, right. So I think this this game it. it it definitely shows a lot of technical capability, especially in that intro sequence. When you see the portraits and the Mega Cat sound sample, and you're about to start, and there's like a whole intro thing, like it feels a lot like a technical demo. But I, I will say there are a couple of things that that do feel a little unpolished about it. That I would say just like just that 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 put it on that fine line for me. For example, just something silly is like the keys are numbered. Right. 
but you collect the keys in a different order. Every level. <laughs> well, that's true. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I don't know if that's intentional. And if it is, that's fine. But that was part of my frustration with level one, two was that oh, I was you were expecting to find them in order or something. Yeah. yeah okay. and, and so something like that is just like, it's just that little bit of an extra tweak. Yeah. I just, I feel that could be a challenge for some people. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think the value is there. To, if you're a Mega Drive homebrew collector, I think the value is definitely there to, to own a game like this. You know, we just played Space Raft for the podcast. And I mean, that's a game that, right. you know, even your first time through, I mean, you you can beat that game in under two hours. You know, and it's, it's from what I've seen, the, the art and the box and everything that comes with the cartridge is absolutely gorgeous. With this game? Yeah, I mean, it's, well, and I can say, I anything that I, I own three mega cat games complete in box and i have to say they are probably the best quality homebrew that i own like they are extremely well made well that's not true now that i have the uh the stuff from limited run but yeah i mean they're they're up there with with that you know and i, I mean they're just very well made and uh and they very fi- they very much feel like like uh like you're getting something of value all right so uh diamond thieves that's our anybody. Uh, what's your kind of like uh, final final thoughts on Diamond Thieves? My final thoughts on Diamond Thieves is, uh, despite all the shit that I just talked about, how frustrating it was and how it kicked my ass. I never, I mean, yes, I did want to throw the controller, but that was still did not stop me from wanting to keep playing, um, and I still want to want to try and beat it. It's just you know, time caught up with me and, you know, here we are recording the the podcast right now, but, um, I really like the game. It is difficult as hell for me as a person that doesn't play much mega drive Genesis stuff. Um, but I will, I will continue to play it. Um, it is very hard, but it is also very enjoyable. So for me, Connor, final thoughts, graphically interesting, musically subtle and well-paced, challenging to begin with perhaps short but an enjoyable game all round and definitely one i would play through again uh given the chance even though i don't own the the physical cartridge it's definitely a great game to play yeah and I, you know i would say um as, as i've said already a great art style just wonderful art art style a bit short but uh, you know i think a very satisfying length for uh for a first time through, and I, I think a, a fun game to play with uh, with kids. I'm looking forward to introducing uh, Genesis to my kids through games like this. So, Diamond Thieves now available complete in box through Mega Cat Studios. Their website, you can get it uh, on their website. We will have a link in the show notes. Mega Cat and Video Game Sage. Thank you guys for publishing that. Thank you, Scrabbins, for sending us the digital version of this game. It was a lot of fun to play and talk about. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, our next game for the podcast it, coming up is Xeno Crisis, also for the Mega Drive and Genesis. You can get that at shop.bitmapbureau.com if you want to play along to that game uh, with us on our next podcast episode. We are going to have that episode coming out in a few weeks. I also just bought it in the PlayStation Store today. Oh, did you? You got it on a PlayStation? Yep. Yeah. Have you? Did you play the ROM? I did play the ROM. I played the ROM uh, with my controller, and then I played it on the PlayStation today with the PS5 controller, and I posted it in the Discord today. Playing it on the PlayStation really makes me 
realize how much I hate twin stick shooters when I don't have a twin stick controller. Oh, so we'll talk about that on the next podcast. But yeah, very interesting. Yeah, you got to say we're going to save that for the podcast. Yeah, you can get that one. You can get the ROM uh, for for your uh, EverDrive, or you can get a, a completed box copy of that. You may not get it in time to listen to the episode, though. You can also find it on Steam, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, Dreamcast, Evercade, and the Neo Geo, if you are absolutely bonkers. We are uh, playing this on Switch and the, the Genesis version. So, uh, yeah, and if you're going with the Genesis... And PlayStation. And the PlayStation. That's right, yeah, PlayStation, Switch, and Genesis, yeah. And uh, if you're going to play it on Genesis, I would strongly recommend getting the six-button controller. You can, you can play it with the three. You can totally do it. And I bet there are people out there who could smoke this with the three-button controller. But that is uh, a little bit too much for me. So the game is hard enough already. But this has been the Homebrew Game Club. You can find links to our Discord, back episodes of the show, or other social media at homebrewgameclub.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HBGameClub. If you like the show, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify or by telling all of your retro gaming friends about our podcast. If you have comments or a suggestion for a game that you would like to hear us talk about, you can shoot us a message on social media or you can email us at homebrewgameclub at gmail.com. Our opening music is by Twee. You can find him on Twitter at TUI2A03, where you can also find a link to his SoundCloud. You can follow me, Nick. On Twitter, Instagram, or video game Sage at Divertov. That's D-V-E-R-T-O-V. Bart is on Instagram as clever username needed, no spaces. And Connor is on Twitter at C-O-N-O-R-N-A-S-H, also no spaces. Tune in next time to the Homebrew Game Club when we will be talking about Xenocrisis. Thank you for listening. La droish de diamante. So how do you say that? La droish? La droish? S is always an SH, as far as I understand Portuguese. La droish de diamante. It's like Sean Connery speaking Spanish. Yeah, it's, it's literally Sean Connery speaking Spanish is Portuguese. <laughs> yes. La droish de diamante. La droish de diamante. <laughs> Mr. Goldfinger, it's, uh, it's very warm in Brazil. Would you like to play a game on the Sega Genesis? <laughs> it's a Sega Gen- Genesis game? Sega Genesis. Preposterous. <laughs> he only asked his wife to come and sit on his lap once. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, that took a second time for me to understand it. But oh, I that's it not what I said. Yeah, really. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> What a fine mess you've made. What? <laughs> this is a oh, fine mess you've gotten both of us into. We're going to get boycotted. If I put this in the podcast, we get boycotted in Brazil. Probably. Oh, okay. In the estate of Sean Connery. We're going to get a cancel, you guys. <laughs> Great potential. Diamond thieves. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> and what was what was Cage's line after that? It was like Carla was, was the prom, prom queen. queen. And he just kind of gives this look like, okay, dude, that's it was just a kind of a saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he, like, Connor like, any... gives, like Connor gives the case this look as if like 
was that an ad lib? Like, was that what you right? And then later in the thing, Connery's running off and he turns around and gives Nick Cage the thumbs up. And Cage is just like, okay. Right. <laughs> oh my God. I oh my God. Imagine how awkward that entire set was. I love it's that like movie so John much. John Connery and Nick Cage. Like, can you imagine them eating lunch together on set? Oh, like, that'd be so great. Nicholas. <laughs> is that a chicken shallot? Well, uh, gosh, Sean, I, I think it might be. It's delicious. Yes, it's very, very tasty. So about this next scene, I was hoping, I was hoping you could uh, tone it down. Tone it down? <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> Which version of Nick Cage do you want? Huh? Woo! <laughs> oh my god, we're still recording. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's going in. Oh my god. <laughs>